Warning, the Catholic Man Show is about to begin. If you're looking for a dull, feel-good religion, or clap your hands, sit around the campfire kumbaya, you've come to the wrong place. We are dealing with toxic levels of authentic masculinity. I would say good luck, but luck is for pagans. Welcome to the Catholic Man Show. I'm Adam Minahan, sitting here with David Niles in studio. We have Juan Posada as our producer, hanging in here with us. Welcome, one and all. That by the time you guys are listening to this episode, we will be at Clear Creek Monastery. Yes, we'll be camping. We will be camping with men all across the U.S. who. I thought that was a little rude. I was in the middle of talking while you opened that. Look, just because you think something doesn't mean it's true. <laughs> we will be at Clear Creek Monastery in Holbert, Oklahoma, uh, possibly battling a little bit of rain at the time. Today, it seems like there will be some rain that we will combat, but that's okay as men I'm will, like as a man, I'm willing to combat it. As long as it's not a monsoon like last year, that's fine. Last year at uh, the last day was a monsoon. It was a little monsoonish. Yeah, uh, but um, I'm really excited. There's going to be about 40 men joining us at Clear Creek Monastery. We will be there. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're hopefully. Are we going to actually interview a monk? Is that? It's up in the air at this point. It's safe to say no. It's safer uh, to say it, no. It's leaning on the no side. The problem is that it's also the chant weekend for the monks. And so right. they're, you know, hosting all these people coming in from all over the place who are learning to chant. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it's a big weekend for the monks. Right. So, and they prepare for a long time. So, in uh, the next year, I think we're going to move the weekend to a different date so that we can not be on this third weekend weekend in October. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll be the second weekend, whatever. The monks are more, they have more free time otherwise. Yeah. Right. Uh, we're real excited about this episode because we have, uh, in the second half of this, uh, of the Catholic mantra, we have Jared Zimmer and Matt Nelson. We've had Matt, N- Matt Nelson on before. Uh, if you remember, he, he, he wrote a book called, uh, just whatever, um, produced by Catholic answers press. But we have both of them on. They're both part of the Word on Fire organization. If you've ever heard, have you ever heard of Bishop Barron? Have you ever heard of him? You heard. You've heard of him before. Uh, I part, was under the impression that everyone had heard. I believe everybody has. Uh, Word on Fire Institute. They just started that uh, WordOnFire.org. This Bishop Barron's kind of ministry. We have. Both of them on. I think it's the first time that we've had two people off location on on yes, the Catholic Man Show. I forgot to mention that. I was going to mention that. Yeah. Um, if if you are listening on the radio right now, we actually extended the interview past the, what what you're going to hear on the radio. So make sure you go to iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher and download the actual podcast because we, we had a really good conversation with them after uh, the radio show in, ended. So. 
Um, if this is your first time listening to the Catholic Man Show, we do three things every episode. Uh, we try to incorporate virtue in all three uh, aspects, but the first thing we do is open, review, and enjoy a man beverage. The second thing we do is highlight a man gear, and the third thing we do is have a manly topic. Dave. C. We have already opened, obviously you heard, like everybody heard you opening your man beverage. I was at least patient enough to wait till the episode started. That's true. Um, don't look at me. We like, open, review, and, and enjoy. enjoy. I had already opened. Yeah. I'm actually on the review and enjoying part. but uh, That's really the most important part. Uh, the man beverage today is, is by one of my favorite breweries for many reasons. Uh, Founders Brewery is one of my favorite. Um, All Day IPA is yeah, a great definitely. one. They're one of my favorites. Um, they have good quality beer at a... Very reasonable price. All day IPA, Centennial IPA, uh, solid gold. Um, what's their Pilsner? Do you remember? I can't remember off the top of my head. No, I don't. Anyway, know. solid gold is their lager. But I haven't bought a Pilsner in a long time. It's a good Pilsner. It is a it, it is a quality. I don't, I don't doubt that, but Pilsner is not my it's not my favorite. Right. You know. Uh, but this this uh, this beer is uh, the Mosaic Promise. It's a single hop ale. It's made with mosaic hops. That's why it's called Mosaic promise mosaic hops is something that's very interesting it's come on the scene uh within the last i think 10 years or so but it's a hybrid basically of hops um that gives off a very fruity floral taste um within within the beer so when you drink uh founders mosaic promise you get more of a like fruity and floral taste compared to the traditional IPA that would be more of that bitter kind of pow in your face yeah. type of taste. The hops are still very present in the drink, you know. Sure, you, you but it's still, ma- it's a it's little just, bit. It's different. It's it's tapered a little bit. With it, It's just not as bitter and, oh, I don't want to say dry. I don't want to describe the beer as dry, but and this one is not dry. Anyway, it's different. If you haven't had it, you should definitely go out and try it. One of my favorite things about founders is that uh their beer is good and affordable mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 5.5 percent uh, alcohol by volume 50 ibus if you keep count of ibus so 50 of them a while ago when i first when i first brought some mosaic promise home for myself mm-hmm. i saw the can and i was very excited because i was looking at this woman she's holding wheat and like pouring a a pitcher of something. And I thought, wow, this could be, you know, are they Catholic? Is this a Eucharistic image here? You know, you know, she's holding wheat. And so like I stared at it and looked for a long time, like, all right, well maybe, maybe turns out it's not, uh, they had a contest for whoever could come up with the best art image artwork. And I can't remember if they actually made a stained glass window of this. I don't remember. But anyway, this is a contest. Some guy won. And this is just uh, the the woman on the can is the goddess is what they call the goddess of beer. So it's a pagan. Yeah. So it's very it's very pagan. But, uh, but the beer is still super good. It, <laughs> it is good. Uh, and um, it's in Grand Rapids, Michigan is, is where the brewery is, which yes. is where uh, our friend Daniel Matson is is residing 
Good guy. Good Twitter follow. Yes. Go, uh, yeah. Follow Daniel Madsen on Twitter. He's a, he's a great Twitter follower. I, on the other hand, on the other hand, am not a good Twitter follow. No, you are not. In fact, I've been contemplating unfollowing you for a while now. Why? Your life wouldn't change whether you followed me or unfollowed <laughs> or unfollowed me. It would be exactly the same. True. That's true. I'll keep following I, I you. I post, I tweet five times a year, maybe. Oh, well, you do more than that. You think? Yeah. Cause you retweet a lot as well. I don't count retweeting. Oh, okay. That's fair enough. Yeah. Uh, Dave, we've, we've been doing quite a few things recently. Uh, we're almost to the point of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. We we're almost at the uh, theology of the tower, which is our radio fundraiser of the year. Yeah. Once we get past that, it'll kind of be a breathing point. Uh, what else we have going on? Do you do you know outside of theology at the tower? Well, and the camp out. Yes. Um, no, but I mean that's about it. At least for the end of this year, we have several uh, men's conferences that we've already confirmed um, yeah, for I mean, next the, year. But those are all next year. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, the Phoenix. Advent is going to be here soon. I'm really excited about Advent because uh, do you fast on Advent or no? I have never fasted. You know, I have never taken up Advent as a Lenten. This is a confusing thing because, oh, it's a time of fasting and abstinence. Is that right? Is it a time of fasting? Uh, you, I, I don't it's know. It's a sacrificial season. Yes. Okay, let's I think put that, it that way. I think it's that's a sacrificial probably, season. I think that's probably more accurate. But everybody says, oh, but it's not Lent. Right. Well, what is it? You know, like, if, if I'm supposed to be making sacrifices, but, oh, but don't do it like Lent. Well, in, in Lent, I make sacrifices. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a little bit confusing. I do have different greetings for Lent. Than I do Advent. Okay, please tell. In Lent, if I'm among what I know to be a very Catholic crowd, I will wish them a contemplative Lent. Okay. In Advent, a patient, a patient Advent to you. A patient Advent. Patience, I like that. Yes. Patience, like patience and contemplation. Yeah, I like patience for Advent. I mean, and you know, they're kind of uh, sides of the same coin. Sure. I mean, because. Uh, In order su- to contemplate, a, you a need patience. A suffering Lent to you. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Grueling Lent. <laughs> May it be the worst ever. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm really excited about the, the start of the new liturgical year. Should we put the can in the... Uh, Bev cam? Hey, uh, Juan, do you have the Bev cam going for us? There oh, he it's is. too high. Look, see. Oh, man. Hold on. I got I got you. I got you. You can go uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel if you could. We have we post all of our uh, videos on YouTube. Also, we, we typically do a Facebook Live. We're not doing that this evening. But uh, again, Matt Nelson, Jared Zimmer on with us through the second half of this show. I'm really excited. Zimmer-er. Zimmer-er. Yeah, yes. that's the, the double R. The double R. It trips you up sometimes. It, you thre- know? it threw me it, off. It can, it can be tricky. But both great guys. I wish people um, didn't have tricky names, you know? Dude, I'm worse at it than you are. I'm really yes. bad at pronouncing names. All the same. But, uh, so I definitely it's not agree with fault, you. not their fault, though. In fact, 
I said the wrong name at the MC event that we did at the Catholic uh, school fundraiser in front of like 450 people. It's embarrassing. It's super embarrassing. But anyway, when we get back, uh, we'll figure out what the man gear is. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles. I'm here with Adam Minahan. Later in the episode, we will be joined by a couple guests. Said my last name really weird. Minahan. Thank you. Is that better? Yes. Adam Minahan. Yes. So uh, we're drinking Mosaic Promise. It's a founder's product. It's delicious. You guys should try it out. Um, I kind of have a rotation personally of founder's products rotate between the fa- the mosaic promise uh the centennial ipa and the all day ipa can have i told you and this? i and you know what the solid gold i also I, I rotate in solid gold as well have i told you that uh founders sent me glasses yes i, de- I told you that you told me when it happened yes i was so excited like i i'm such a big fan of founders because something to do with twitter yeah i was so psychelet the uh, host of Catholic Answers was asking, what's your favorite summer beer? Or, no, he said, favorite lager. He said, what, what's your favorite lager? And I said, uh, Solid Gold by Founders IPA. And I Definitely. tagged them in there. Yeah. And uh, Founder said, hey, hit us up. I'd like to send you a gift. I'm like, sweet. So they sent me uh, four big lager glasses. You know, the, the small, slender. Yeah. Yeah, a, a lager glass. Yeah. yeah, a lager glass. So it's pretty cool. That is very cool. You know, that's the, like the cool thing of Twitter. You can just get a hold of basically anybody. You could just like do normal stuff and then all of a sudden the company sends you free glasses. Yeah, which my wife was a big fan of. She really likes whenever we have different glasses. She's a big fan of that. <laughs> and a lot of them. She likes a lot of uh, beer glasses. Now I know what to get you for Christmas. Please. Or f- maybe her for Christmas. Get, she would actually really appreciate that. you something, but then I'll get her, her the, glasses. the glasses. Gotcha. She would love that. Uh, so we More have, new types of glasses. Yes. Or then, even the same. The same is good, too. But We have, dude, we have over 20 Glencairn glasses in our glass uh Cabinet. Yeah, but you had those. I mean, like, didn't I your had mom? 12. I had didn't 12. your mom get you a bunch long time ago before the Catholic Mancho? She she gave me twelve for Christmas, so I had twelve. And then we have the Catholic Mancho Glen Karen glasses, and I've just accumulated glasses over time. And so, like, I have over twenty. And Haley's like, "Can we can we get rid of a few of them?" And I'm like, "What if I have twenty of my friends over, and we all want to drink whiskey what if at my the same time?" Twenty best friends are yeah. here. Yeah. So. You know what I've been using a lot of lately is the uh, Sacred Heart of Jesus, Immaculate Heart of Mary, Glen Karen glasses. glasses that I got. Well, you got them. You got some too as a gift. Yes, I did from our friends down in Phoenix. Yes, where we will be this next year at the men's conference. Yes, we are coming. Uh, we had so, a conference call recently. Shout out to Matt and Brian and all those guys down there. Uh, okay, so we just got finished talking about the man drink. Let's let's jump into the man gear which we decided on over the break. 
And I'm also, I'm also really excited about it because the man gear is something that I love. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Okay. I got one of these for Christmas last year. And it, Who got it for you? My dad. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Mr. David Niles. Yes. Uh, he got me, my brother-in-law, and himself one. <laughs> and my and my brother Jake. So we all got salt rifles. Assault rifle. Yeah. So it's like, I got you a salt rifle. What'd you get for Christmas? Let me just put it this way. Assault rifle. And that's what I'd tell people because they thought I meant like I got an AR-15 or something. Right. But that's not what we're talking but about. That's not what it was. Okay. So it is a plastic rifle, I guess. It's a plastic gun. It shoots salt. You literally put salt into it and it shoots it and it's it's designed to kill bugs. Okay. Flies. Flies specifically is what I think it's really designed it's for. It's actually called bug assault. That's like the actual name. It's not called a salt rifle. It's not, it's not salt rifle. No, it's called bug assault. I thought the package. It's called like bug. It's even bug assault.com. I even thought the packaging on mine said assault rifle. I don't believe so. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, it is very awesome. So, so I have used it. I have used it. So anyway, there's like a little container on the front. You just pour salt in there. Like, uh, the same kind of salt, like the, the, like the kosher salt, salt or whatever that you use for ice cream, like whatever you do homemade ice cream. Okay. So I have experimented personally with different sizes of salt. Okay. In the beginning I thought, Oh, the, uh, sea salt is better. It's, you know, thicker chunks of salt. So you're shooting heavier pieces at the flies. Okay. It can handle that. No problem. Now, ice cream salt, it cannot handle. Ice ice cream salt is like... Like chunks of salt. Huge chunks of salt. No, no, no. It cannot shoot those. Okay. It's not... It doesn't fit. Okay. Okay. So, but sea salt, it can do. That's Mm -hmm. no problem. Um, And so I thought, oh, yeah, this is way better. Uh, However, I have since gone back to regular salt. Just... Table salt? Table salt. Table salt is please the way. explain. Table salt is the way to go. Okay, please explain. Okay, uh, it turns out it doesn't take a lot of velocity. It doesn't take a lot of momentum to kill a fly. And with the sea salt, you can have good aim and still sometimes miss. Okay, because you're shooting fewer pieces. It's it's sort of like shooting buckshot versus birdshot out of a shotgun. Okay, you know, so. The buckshot, you're shooting only a few balls. You're probably not going to miss, you know, but with this case, we're dealing with a plastic rifle and a a very short barrel. So the salt and salt is not round, so it doesn't fly, especially the sea salt. It didn't fly true. The sea salt in particular is not round, and so it has a tendency to have some curve to it. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I think that actually slows the salt down. Okay. And has a tendency to move it around. So most of the time, it doesn't matter. However, I found that when you put regular salt in, um, you're actually shooting a heavier load because you are filling the chamber full of salt. Okay, whereas with the sea salt, you have a lot of gaps because it's bigger chunks. Right. So you're not really maximizing the load. 
that okay. that that you're shooting at the fly that deserves to die. As every fly because it, it trespassed onto your property. Every fly does. Okay, so Juan has a assault rifle that is a, a camouflage. It's camouflage. It's not camouflage. It's camouflage. Camouflage. He's just telling us about it. Yes. So his is just like yours, other than it has it's basically camouflage, but the pattern is of a fly in like green tan and what is it? Green tan and what else? Black. black. Green tan and black. I thought it was white. When they're white, no. he said white. I don't know. It doesn't matter. There's yeah. three colors anyway. Yeah. So, uh, so it, it it's set up as camouflage. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I'm not telling. I'm not kidding. This thing is so awesome. I love it, especially when I grill. You know, you start cooking meat, and all of a sudden flies start showing up out of nowhere, and right? You, and you just go into hunting mode, and so you just start cocking this thing like dead fly, cock it, dead fly, cock it again. There's another dead fly, and it can kill other things too, like spiders. Um, I have not successfully killed a wasp. However, every time I have shot a wasp with this thing, it leaves. So that's good. You know, it says, I'm getting out of here. Mm-hmm. I did not like that. Uh, mosquitoes, I think, would be tough to, to shoot. Especially if you have sea salt. Now, if you have... Table salt? Table salt. The mosquito is easily rendered no longer alive. Hmm. That's my politically correct way of saying it's dead. Yeah, and because it has a soul. It has a mosquito soul. Yes, but philosophically we're talking about like just because he has a soul because he's alive, he doesn't have an immortal soul. Right, it's the soul that animates the body. Right, as Thomas Aquinas would say. Right. Uh, he, he ceases to exist. Yes, no, yeah, exactly. So anyway, it is the most satisfying thing <laughs> it, I'm not kidding. It is so and like because you just shoot this fly and it like kind of shoots a it's it's lethal to a fly within three feet. Okay. Which is pretty close which is pretty far. Uh a fly will let you get much closer than three feet before right. it flies away. Sure. And so you shoot it and it just kinda like fly it like it doesn't fly, but it like gets bounced away. It topples over and it, and it just Lands on the ground and is Indeed. dead. So if I had to throw a virtue at this man gear, uh, I would actually kind of lean it towards more of as uh, fathers, we are providers, protectors, and establishers. No, no, no. You're totally off base. It's the virtue of deadliness. <laughs> no, it's a virtue. Deadliness. Protectors. No, we this protectors. is deadliness. It is a virtue. I have decided. This is no. Protectors. We are protectors. Men are protectors. Okay, fine. That would be a better one. Yeah. But the thing is awesome. <laughs> yeah, it if, is. I'm not. I'm not kidding. If you don't have one, they're kind of expensive. Uh, it definitely. What are they? Uh, here, hold on. Let me look. Yeah, I'll like, look it up. Pull, pull it up because it definitely does not cost this much to make. You know, and I'm not saying that they should sell it for what it costs. I'm a. I'm a capitalist. You know. They deserve to make money, but well, like you were looking at a $50, 50 bucks. That's what I'm saying. That's kind of expensive. Don't you think? Yes, I do. Like I, I would not, but, have, but the $50 does come with the laser beam. Ooh, see the mine, bug, the bug beam. Mine does not have the laser. Which, this one does. And okay. So if you have one, <laughs> if you have one that doesn't have the laser, let me just give you uh, some advice. The sights 
are actually very accurate. I found myself in the beginning thinking, I'm only three feet away. I don't need to sight in the bug. Okay? And I found myself missing a lot. I think that's just because you're a bad aim. No, no, no. But then I started sighting it in. Dead, dead, dead. We're going to have Jared Zimmer. Bugs. We're going to have Jared Zimmer and Matt Nelson on. Hang in there. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. And welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm Adam Minahan with David Niles. And as promised, we have Jared Zimmer and uh, Matt Nelson with us from the Word on Fire Institute. Gentlemen, thank you so much for uh, tuning in with us this evening. Cheers to hey, you guys. Thanks for having us on. Absolutely. Cheers. So uh, really fast, I'll give you guys each maybe 30 seconds to maybe introduce yourselves. We'll start with Jared first, and then we'll go to Matt. Our audience probably remembers Matt. Uh, we had Matt on... Oh, probably a handful of episodes ago. Uh, you can I would go say back maybe ten, three months ago. I don't remember, but we've had we've had Matt on recently. I think it was before my last daughter was born. Okay, okay, that's a good one. That's a good Catholic way of judging things. Like I think <laughs> it was the last time that my like, the, the last daughter. That's basically the only way I can keep track keep of time keep track of like, stuff. how many children did i have when that happened <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh okay the but 14th or the 15th <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. Uh, so jared go ahead uh maybe give give yourself an introduction there yeah so my name is jared zimmer and um, i'm the director of the word on fire institute and uh actually live just outside of dallas and um i've been married for 11 years and i have six children uh, so I totally understand that kind of understanding <laughs> the years based on kids. Um, uh, but uh, born and raised here in Texas, and uh, I've, I've written a couple of books, and I've been full-time with Word on Fire for about two years now. So uh, it's been quite a blessing to, to work with Bishop Barron and the whole Word on Fire team. Awesome. So, uh, Matt, yourself? Yeah, so um, I joined the Word on Fire team just a few months ago. Um, I'm a Canadian, so... We, uh, I officially made the uh, Word on Fire team an international team when, when they uh, brought me aboard. But uh, yeah, no, I'm, uh, I've been married for five years. I've got two kids and I've got a third one on the way here coming in January. And uh, I'm the assistant director of the Word on Fire Institute. Jared is the Mr. Director. So uh, joined him, <laughs> like I said, just a few months ago. And, and uh, yeah, it's been, been a lot of fun. Awesome. So let's, uh, this evening we're going to talk about evangelization. We're going to talk about all sorts of, of uh, where we are in evangelization as a church, how we can do that in a community, how we can do that within our family, all sorts of different aspects of evangelization. I'm going to start out with um, asking you guys, where does joy play into the role of evangelization? Mm. Yeah, I think... Um of course, you know, you always hear, uh, I always think of Pope Francis' encyclical, The Joy of the Gospel, right? Um, and I, I think that the idea of joy is something that is often misinterpreted as like kind of an, a, a feeling of happiness. Um, because sometimes in evangelization in particular, you're not always going to be joyful. You're going to sometimes hit the brick wall. Um, for about four years, I worked at, at a, as a director of catechesis and evangelization at a, at a parish. 
And I can tell you as many uh, wonderful you know, stories that came out of that, people that were converting and, and people that were coming to a better knowledge of the faith, um, there were just as many, if not more opportunities to, to like go, you know, Lord, what are you doing? Like, I, I'm here for you in this mission. And it seems like I'm butting my head against the wall. Uh, with this individual, you know, um, but to just continually seek, uh, you know, the peace of Christ, um, which is where the joy comes from, right? Um, and I tend to lean on on Thomas Merton's understanding of joy, uh, more of a just interior quality of dealing with the difficulties of life, right? That, that the small things in your life aren't going to throw you off so far that you're now outside of the mission. It's something that you just continue to resolve to be in the mission of Christ. And so uh, regardless of what happens, you it's not like you're always smiling or anything like that, but uh, you know, to, to just continually take it, um, take it like a man, really. I mean, to, to see these difficult situations and, and keep going. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I would just piggyback on that and, and also add, you know, I always kind of have this gut reaction when I hear a cliche, I kind of cringe at it. But, but what I've come to learn is that uh, cliches exist for a reason. They usually speak to some important truth when you realize about human nature or, or just, like, and we've, you know, we've all heard the cliche, people don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care. And, I, you know, I'm a revert to the faith. And that was important for me when speaking to believers before I really made my jump back into the church. And, you know, I'd fallen away far enough to, to even call myself a skeptic. Uh, but to, to be sitting across the table from someone that I could tell genuinely cares, not just about convincing me, but about actually hearing about where I'm at and what concerns are, that was a pretty thing. Yeah, yeah, I think that's all very, very true. That, um, And I really like the question that you started off with, Adam, about joy. Uh, and I, it, it obviously makes me think about never, you know, always be prepared to give a reason for the joy that's in you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so much of evangelization. I think the ideal scenario for evangelizing is that someone asks you, what's, what's different about what's you? up with you? I got you know I I mean? I I to say this, though. Like, it wasn't my idea. Obviously, anything that I say that's good is never my idea. It's only whenever I say something that's stupid that ends up being my idea. I got that off of St. Thomas Aquinas. Like whenever he's talking about evangelization, it takes uh, 90, uh, he doesn't hit, he doesn't hit a talk about actually the laws of evangelization, like the ethics and, and law of evangelization until like 90 articles past. So he always talks about the, the joy of evangelization, like the hope that's within you, the, the virtue that's behind that before he even talks about like, the, the ethics and laws behind evangelization. So that's why I, I asked that first. I knew it was going to be safe. If you go with Thomas Aquinas, you're going to be safe. So Yeah, almost always. Almost always. There, there are the few exceptions. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, almost always. So uh, I might also... Yeah, yeah, go ahead, Jared. Just, yeah, just real quick. I might also fall back on, you know, one of the big things that got me into the faith is actually uh, started when I started searching, I actually went back to the Stoics. And um, the Stoics, in large part, constantly focused on their death, and that was how they lived a good life. And so, as Catholics, as Christians, we, we ought to be living with joy for the sheer fact that we know death is no longer uh, has hold on us, right? If, if that's the scariest possible thing that could happen in a human's life, 
is death. And we know that our Savior has already beaten that. How can you not but be joyful, right? So, like, no matter Absolutely. what happens, I mean, sometimes when I'm getting out of my van with six kids and it's pure chaos, <laughs> people are wondering, why is he still smiling whenever there's chaos all around him? It's like, well, ultimately, you know, my savior lives, right? <laughs> right. Jared, it's so funny you say that. Uh, we've been talking about, uh, in, in, in the Minahan house, we've been talking about death, uh, All Souls Days coming up. Uh, last year, we, we, we went to the cemetery and prayed the rosary as a family together with, you know, uh, at the cemetery for All Souls. Uh, recently, my second oldest uh, son walked up to my wife and said, how many weeks until I die, mom? <laughs> and I thought, okay, maybe I'm talking a little too much about it. Maybe we should pu we pump the brakes a little bit on the on the death if he's thinking about his death already. But, but you're right. I mean, that's the, you're you're right. Like, uh, death gives you a, an idea of 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 how limited time we have here. Yeah. I, although Absolutely. I think it's I think it's okay. You know, it's only really until the baby boomers were born that children stopped having a, an acquaintance with death. You know, I mean, yeah. for, for every generation up until the last, like, three, death was something that all children knew because people used to die young. I mean, people, I mean it was yeah, like... that's th true. Death was a very... It was a part of life for mm -hmm. them. And so, you know, that's tragic because... All death is tragic, you know, man was not made for death, but in some way it was helpful, I think, mm -hmm. in constantly keeping what's important, you know, reor you know, are my priorities in in the right order. Mm -hmm. Uh and whereas today it's easy to think that Snapchat is is the most important how many followers important. you have yeah, yeah. Uh, guys you guys were talking uh, we brought you on you guys we said you guys are part of the word on fire institute you guys are word on fire organization uh, we only have about two minutes left of this break but I'm, I want to start this topic on the word on fire institute that you guys just started uh, Matt what, what are your thoughts there tell us a little bit about it Yes, yeah, so the Word on Fire Institute is is really kind of a first step in the direction of making Bishop Barron's vision for a Word on Fire movement uh, a reality. And so, part of part of a movement is having a group of people who uh, have a common vision, a common goal, something to work towards together. And in the case of a Catholic movement, well, they're going to share a common spirituality as well. And so. Uh, what we're trying to do with the Word on Fire Institute is really give people who are interested at this point in at least just modeling their style of evangelization in the style and, and methods of Bishop Barron, uh, giving them a place where they can start to be, in a, in a sense, trained to be that type of evangelist. And over time, then, this Word on Fire Institute, where we're bringing in experts in all sorts of different fields, uh, talks and lessons that are relevant to evangelizing um, our modern world. Uh, eventually, this will be a place where, you know, it will be the training grounds in a sense before we, we go out and, and evangelize. So that, that's in a nutshell. And I know we don't have much time left, but I'm, I know Jared's got a lot to add to that. Yeah, Jared, I think we had about a minute left. So if you want to add anything there, we'll, we'll pick this up on the other side of the break, but go ahead. 
Yeah, and I would just kind of piggyback on on what Matt said is that you know this is something that um, you know this this idea of a movement started about five or six years ago. Cardinal Francis George, before he passed, actually challenged Bishop Barron on this rise of unaffiliation. You know, now a quarter of the country is considered unaffiliated, no no longer affiliates himself with any religion whatsoever. So within that, you have numerous different demographics and thought patterns and all of that. Um, and Bishop Barron was kind of lamenting about that. And and Cardinal Francis George, you know, was kind of like, well, what are you going to do about it? And number two was like, well, where are the movements that are going to help answer this? And so, as he right. said, this we're, is we're really gonna have to, the first step. Yeah, and we're going to have to pick this up on the side of the break. We'll, we're on the Lord's team, the winning side, so raise your glass. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles. I'm here with Adam Minahan. We are joined via vMix call by Jared Zimmerer and Matt Nelson, two gentlemen over at the Word on Fire Institute, which now is an institute. It was the Word on Fire. It was a podcast. It was probably other things. It was Bishop Barron, but now, now it's an institute. So let me ask you, this is a, a maybe a basic, obvious, dumb question. I don't know. It could be many things. <laughs> I like okay. There's the liturgical institute. I get that if you go to the liturgical institute, you're going to be institutionalized about the liturgy. Do you guys have a class on pyrotechnics at the Word on Fire? <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. Well, we, Not we yet. That in the context of evangelization. Because <laughs> people like fire. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's that's an idea. I would get people's attention anyways. We just got to have the message ready when they look, when that's they look right. towards the fire. Maybe yeah. you could like somehow make fireworks that would like write out the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, so we'll, what we'll is my, my question is, what is the Word on Fire Institute? You know, what is the, what's the main? Charismatic. Yeah, that thing. What's charism. It? You know what I'm saying? Jared, I'll, I'll put that question to you. So you totally skipped on me, man. I didn't oh, okay. So that. like the, the Word on Fire Institute, what is like the main charism of or like the main purpose of it being now an institute? Yeah, I guess the main charism is by far evangelization. Um, that, is, that is our focus. Um, as we were saying before the break is that I mean, this came about from a challenge from uh, Cardinal Francis George, particularly in regard to this rise of unaffiliation. Um, and Bishop Barron took that very seriously. And really for the past about four years, a little bit more than that, myself and several others on the Word on Fire team had been praying about what is it that God's calling uh, Word on Fire to, to be. And so um, what, what ended up happening was, you know, we came up with this thought of maybe Word on Fire could grow into more of a movement, a, a true ecclesiastical movement in, in the right sense. Um, but there's so many steps that it takes to get to that point. And so how something, you know, what's something that we can start now to start gathering people, to start forming people in the ethos of evangelization that has really been shown to be effective uh, from Bishop Aaron, you know, after the, the, the past decade of him on YouTube and the Catholicism series and numerous others, we get emails literally daily from people who uh, contact us and say, your contact, your content has changed me. And, and so now what, what am I supposed to do? I want to evangelize like you. 
Um, and we've been receiving that for years. And so this institute is really sort of the first step to start gathering people together, start forming them in the ethos of evangelization that has been so effective. Um, and so the, the institute right now is, is mostly a digital presence. Um, however, we do have certain uh, uh, future goals that would include things like conferences, retreats, uh, and, and many, many other things along with that. But um, so it's a growing thing and it's really kind of just in its kind of beginning stages right now. But um, I mean, we're already receiving emails from people in India and Norway and numerous other places saying like, thank God this came about because this is exactly what I, I needed in my faith to, to grow and to be challenged to evangelize. And they can all find that at wordonfire.org, correct? Wordonfire.org or our specific website is wordonfire.institute. Um, but yeah, for sure, wordonfire.org, and there's a link there as well. Okay. So, there's always a new dot. I know. That's now a, there's that's dot impressive. institute. That's impressive. <laughs> I, I'm going to start a like dot David. Yeah. yeah. Why not? <laughs> why not? <laughs> hey, uh, guys, I want to ask you this question because I've been asked this and I wasn't sure how to respond. So you guys are more experts than I am. You guys are a lot smarter than I am. I, I, I'm curious on what you what you have to say. I've been asked before, has the new evangelization, which is like kind of like a buzzword now, you know, we, we throw that word out or the, that those words out a lot, new evangelization. Yeah. yeah. Has the new evangelization uh, come like been successful? Has it been something that that what we originally thought of? Has it has it turned into that? And can we what can we do to to make it better? There's, a th I guess, three questions in one, but uh I'll, yeah. I'll open it up to yeah, you guys. That's a that's a really uh, deep, tough, and interesting question all at once. Um, you know, here's here's my take on it. To give an even deeper nuance to the the charism, if you want to call it that, of the Word on Fire Institute, is not just evangelization, but like even more specifically, evangelization of the religiously unaffiliated, and so. You know, a quarter of Americans today, and the statistics are very similar in Canada, uh, are today no longer identifying themselves with any religion whatsoever. And so when we look at these statistics, and which often look quite dire, especially like the, the younger the demographic, the worse things look, uh, it can be easy to, you know, feel like we're not doing our job. Like we, we set out in this new evangelization, we've been called by, you know, many popes in, in modern times to go out and let's turn this thing around. And, you know, when we face these new statistics that come out, sometimes it can, we can feel a bit pessimistic about it. But I think like things like the Catholic man show are, are and the word on fire Institute. I mean, I think these things are evidence that maybe things are going better than we think they are. I mean, I really think that there's been a lot of things set in progress over, you know, especially since uh, John Paul II, um, new creative ways to get out and evangelize and explain and defend the faith. Uh, you know, so, so for me, I, I want to take a sort of a Chestertonian look at the whole thing, flip it on its head, uh, which for him was often actually flipping something from its head onto its feet, right side <laughs> up, and see this maybe as something uh, more positive. Yeah, I think that things are going, are going well, but I think that there's always room to improve too. 
Yeah, and I guess I would just um, kind of focus in on like what are the the three aspects of it, right? It's new ardor, new method, and new expressions of how to spread the faith, right? Um, and and we see that happening for sure. Um, the the difficulty where I think we're running into um, is that for for many years we were answering the wrong questions, right? So we were mm-hmm. people are asking very basic first principles questions, and we're coming at them, you know, with I mean they're they're not even trying to they're not trying or they're trying to understand like who is God, what is God, how am I even supposed to have a relationship with this thing that I don't know about, and we're we're answering the wrong questions. Right, where or oftentimes what would happen is, you know, as much as I, I think a company in it is absolutely part of the process, we would do a company with without apologetics or apologetic apologetics without accompaniment, right? But I think people are starting to gather together, and I think these Pew Research studies that are coming out are just are super helpful, and we've got to listen to these. Um, but in large part, I mean, people, you, the more you look, it's it's truly intellectual, smart questions that are coming out. But it's about first principles. It's about meaning of life. Mm-hmm. It's about like, is God just a big being up in the sky, or or is he like the what Thomas Aquinas says he is? You know, um, how do we answer those kinds of questions? And and it's interesting because you see some of these cultural front runners like uh, Joe Rogan and and Jordan Peterson and and others like that who are asking these very basic questions. Some go more with the mythic understanding, and some go with you know a very atheist agnostic understanding of of God. Um, but but those questions are being asked and being asked sincerely. I mean, it's, it's a real mm-hmm. question. And I think we've got to start really focusing in on paying attention to what's being asked. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that some aspects of the new evangelization have been successful because it's, it's brought about this new expression, new ardor and new methods. Um, but we have to steer it uh, in, in the right direction. And I think what we need to do is start paying attention to the culture. Um, and and listening to the questions that they have. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think that's yeah. a really good uh, segue into my, in my next question. When I just think about people today, I think about you know specifically guys, and I am becoming more and more just old. Uh, <laughs> the older I get, and what I it mean by with that more and more kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I just am becoming more and more anti-technology, not from just a, not, not in general, but maybe specifically, I think that smartphones are killing us all mentally. Uh, and so there's all these people out there and they've got so many distractions. And so the more distractions, the newer, the distraction, I think maybe the newer, the method, you know, with regard to the new evangelization, um, we may have to come up with a new method for every new distraction. And it seems like the distractions are increasing at an incredibly rapid rate. But I think, well, I want to get your, uh, your feedback on this going back to a time tested method. And this is something that I, Bishop Barron is huge on is the idea of beauty. Because I think with more and more technology, the more and more flashy screens we put in front of ourselves, the less and less beauty that we actually have in our lives. You know, we have, it's full of entertainment. We only have about two minutes left. Nothing of substance. So yeah, uh, what do you guys, uh, and Matt, I'll kick this over to you first. Uh, Do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that uh, we need to lead with beauty in many situations because of the world that we live in today. And that's, that's really been Bishop Barron's line for many years. You know, he, he says beauty is the arrowhead of evangelization because it's, 
it's the least trivial these days uh, in this age of relativism when we consider truth, goodness, and beauty. And I was just teaching an RCIA class last night, and I showed uh, a uh, it was it was on a TV screen, but it was the Last Judgment in the Sistine Chapel, a, a really beautiful work of art by Michelangelo, and you could see the eyes light up, and people really got the point I was trying to make as I used the beauty of that painting. Um, or fresco to show the the uh, people in RCIA the the very point I was trying to make. But uh, so yes, I agree. It's essential. And Jared, go ahead. You get the last word. Actually, hey Jared, uh, we're gonna pick this up. Uh, if you join the council, man, we're gonna we're gonna take this conversation uh, past the radio station. Uh, this wordonfireinstitute.org is or wordonfire.institute is where you want to go. Wordonfire.org. Jared Zimmer and Matt Nelson hang in there. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. Okay, so we Sorry. ran out of time. Uh, I when Juan is here producing, he does a phenomenal job, but I can't see the computer screen anymore, so I don't I did not realize we were so, so low close. on time. Yeah. So can Let, you guys give a, another no ten minutes, like or so? Are you guys okay with ten ten more sure. minutes? Can we'll I, just I'm gonna run, yeah, run and grab my power cord quick. Yes, okay. yes, yes, please do. And we'll just we'll just add this to the podcast. Uh, yeah. Okay. Which is which is really where everybody listens to our show. I don't I don't really know that many people actually listen on the radio. So. Yeah, I mean, this is, yeah, I mean, we we're on like thirteen or fourteen, maybe fifteen different Catholic radio stations, but. I really think the I think podcast. The is people where, who listen to us, if they happen to catch us on the radio, it's just by happenstance, right? Yeah. So, anyway, uh, the beauty. We, we can keep going while we wait for Matt to get back. So, Jared, okay. uh, the, that idea of beauty. Um, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, wait. We do, okay, we, wait. We need to uh, do cue base. No, we don't. Oh, no, I, I agree. Never mind. We don't. Yeah. Because we can just pull the V mix audio. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Sorry, Jared. Go ahead. Yeah, and I would just, I guess, uh, kind of continue with Matt's uh, thoughts is that, you know, there's people sometimes get confused on what we mean by leading with beauty because um, there's numerous different aspects involved in that. You know, um, there's there's leading with the beauty of things like architecture, like old churches. There's things like leading with beauty, like this beautiful painting, which is a phenomenal way to introduce people uh, into the truths of the faith. That's, that's what it was created for. Um, but I also think that the leading with the beauty that can still be found in the culture today. So even what's being created today, where we oftentimes kind of brush off a lot of, you know, the movies or the music or things like that. Sometimes you still find what, what Bishop Barron calls a, a Christ haunted culture. Um, and so leading with the beauty of a good Coen Brothers movie, you know, I mean, leading with the beauty of, of, of you know, Fargo, which isn't often considered beautiful, but you know, there's, there's moments in there that rip the soul apart, you know, and it, it awakes people up to something deeper than the material existence that they tend to define themselves by, right? And so, and then there's also an aspect of leading with the beauty of a well-lived life. Um, you know, as I mentioned, like, you know, getting out of the, get out of the van with six kids, sometimes like people tend to see that and think, now, why is that guy different? Why did he decide to do that? Why, why, you know, why does he not look like a slob when he got out of the van, when he's wearing, when he's got six kids pulling on his shirt all the time? Yeah. You know? 
Like there's there's these so many different ways and 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 uses for beauty, and I think that um, von Balthasar was just absolutely right when he said that beauty. There's something arresting about beauty that that it's there's no polemic involved, there's no argument involved. It's just an experience. It's kind of like you're getting into that deeper part of your being. Uh, without necessarily needing to try, right? Like you see the Sistine Chapel and you're just kind of taken away by it or you hear something you know, amazing by Beethoven or you watch Braveheart or you know, so many of these other things that, that just kind of rip you apart a little bit and make you step back and go, man, like there's something deep here. And I think in regard to evangelization, that's so, so needed today because that's the question people are seeking. They want meaning. In their life, and and beauty kind of allows that opportunity to to wake it up uh, to then the good and the true. Yeah, so there's something really. Go ahead, Matt. Go ahead, uh, Matt. Well, yeah, no, I'll just add to that. Um, you know, it was interesting. I think it was. I can't remember. It was probably around a year ago when Bishop Barron was on stage with William Lane Craig, a very prominent evangelical philosopher. Uh, an apologist and a, a man who's greatly influenced uh, me personally. And at one point, this whole idea of evangelization through beauty came up and you could just see Dr. Craig's confusion about like, how does this work? Like, it was almost like he wanted it laid out in premises as a yep. deductive argument, you know? <laughs> and I think the key here, and this is really what Jared is implying and what he's saying is that the argument from beauty is really not an argument at all, at least in the way we expect it to be. It's something intuitive. And I think like the first person that ever posed something like an argument from beauty that I, that I ever heard was Dr. Peter Kraft. And, and he's, I mean, he likes to throw this one out there, but it goes something like this. There is the music of Johann Seb Sebastian Bach. Therefore, God exists. And then he always adds a tagline. He says, either you get it or you don't. And, yep. I think and Sam, let me tell you, Sam Harris doesn't get it because he came back in a uh, uh, debate with him and said, uh, Marilyn Manson exists, therefore God doesn't exist. That was his rebuttal, right, right. you know. Right. Yeah, and what St. Thomas Aquinas would say to that is, well, you need to know the difference between uh, being and deprivation. So, <laughs> That's true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so here's my here's here's my last question. I'll let Dave uh, have the last say. But my last question for you both is is this: the idea of, of of beauty, the idea of the new evangelization. These are all words that we can all um, maybe grasp, but maybe not. It doesn't become tangible. It doesn't become like how do I practically apply that as a man, as a as a father, as a husband. Um, I hear all the time, you know, Mother Teresa's quote of like, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. I, I'm interested to hear from both of you gentlemen, like, what are your thoughts? Like, give give a guy who's listening to this right now one thing that they can go do and change to help uh, further further the new evangelization, further, you know, uh, the idea of the true, the good, and the beautiful. How do we do that on a, on a practical basis, on a day-to-day -day basis? Well, in regard to beauty, I would say read poetry to your children. That is that, okay. Uh, your favorite poet? Uh, I mean, Dante. I'd have to say Dante. But um, I think that, you know, I, I've seen in my own children the, the growth of, of love of poetry. 
And, and unfortunately, the whole practice of spoken poetry within a home has almost died um, in our culture. And I think that when it comes to leading with beauty, aside from the fact of like, I mean, behind me, I have, you know, our Lord on the wall and, and artwork all around the house. But that moment of seeing their own father, and it's oftentimes stepping out of your own comfort zone to really give it, you know, the gumption it needs to be a good poem. Um, but it's it, there's something about um, bringing that back into the home that I've just personally seen grow in my children. Jared, I am so glad you said this, and I just absolutely love to toot my own horn. <laughs> have, Humi- humility is his virtue. Like I that have, is what he, he that is his strong suit. I have done this twice in the last three days. Uh, nice. And and in fact, recently on. Uh, the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary a week ago, I, I read the poem Lepanto by G.K. Chesterton. My oldest daughter is three and a half years old. Okay, so it's not like I'm dealing with, uh, you know, a very affluent audience here at the, at, at the <laughs> dinner the table. the existential crisis during the <laughs> Right. Okay, and so I'm sitting here reading it, and my wife is over there saying, you know, like, okay how long is this poem? And then I look over at my three year, my three year old and she is entranced. She's staring at me like eyes wide. And she was like, keep going. And she literally said that, like, keep going because, and it made me realize there's just something so beautiful about, a, about good poetry that my three year old gets it. You know, uh, yeah. she doesn't have to have any historical background to, you know, uh, the, like, Back in the 1500s, what was going on between Christians and Muslims? And, you know, what are the tactics of a naval battle? And, you know, uh, why is it that we should not have won? And, you know, all, all of the all of these things. Don Juan Austria, yeah. really Who is this guy? Don Juan guy? You know, but <laughs> yeah. it sounds awesome. But she, she doesn't know any of that, doesn't get any of the references, but just the beauty of the poetry. This is what I, this is what I think it's, Bishop Barron is so right about this, that Beauty is a language that transcends every person, every language, every culture that even my three and a half year old can listen to a, a fairly complex poem and a long one. It, it, it is a, a long poem and just just soak it up every second of it. So anyway, uh, I just wanted to. Yes, you, you just had to back that up yeah. because uh, a, a, a digital it, high five. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Matt, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, um, I you know I'm going to make a, a practical recommendation out there, and I'm I'm going to say, and I've listened to your guys' show, um, and I'm trying to remember if I've heard you say this. I'm positive though that you've probably said this when I wasn't listening, if not when I was. But like, guys, you got to you got to form groups of of men that you can hang out with out there. You know, drink scotch. Uh, smoke a cigar and talk about the truth, goodness, and beauty of Catholicism. And if you're if you're in a community like me, where there's not a whole lot of like Catholic guys that are really interested in doing something like that, I mean, a huge part of my community here are evangelical guys, and they've become some of my best friends. And man, like we have we have great relationships, and we talk openly about our our differences, and and often in a very fruitful and productive way. So evangelization is happening live, but we share so many things in common. And um, yeah, I just think we got to we got to form those communities of men where we can talk about these things, and maybe even recite poetry together over a nice scotch and pipe tobacco or something. But yeah, there's an idea. That sounds awesome. 
I also liked yeah. Matt, what you just said there. It's like, yeah, if you don't have any Catholic friends that you can be Catholic with, get a bunch of men that you can be man, you can be men with, you know, because yeah. you're, you're heading Even down. Just love this, like Jared brought up the stoic philosophers. I mean, we'll put a, put a little plug out there for Jared's buddy, Kevin Voss. Uh, he's a, and he's got a doctorate in psychology and he's written some fantastic books out there um, on St. Thomas Aquinas. And he wrote this really great book. Um, called, is it the porch and the cross on how mm-hmm. stoic philosophy has this like really interesting crossover with, with Christian spirituality. Um, but yeah, like find guys that have these values in common with you. And um, yeah, hopefully the good, the, the, the good that you guys have will rub off on each other and you'll make each other better men. Also, I'm a big fan of his book, Memorize the Reasons. Yes, me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that idea. I didn't think it would work, and then I read the first chapter, and I was like, huh, let me I, try it. I can still do it. I can still, like you yeah. walk up, there's the rock, and then you go to the door. I yes. still got all the places in my <laughs> yeah. head, you know? I was like, wow, that actually worked. Yeah, uh, like, and yeah, then the exactly. like, there's a sailor riding a bull who walks out of the door, and I remember now that it's like, oh, that's Luke, and he's the cat, you know, it's like, anyway... You have no if you haven't read his book, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But you gotta get his book, and you'll be able yeah, to. The sailor, the, the sailor riding the bull in my memory is actually Jared. I I've made sure that it was an image of Jared. Riding the bull. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, Dave, uh, I'll give you the last. No, I'm done. I'm done. You're good. I'll give out of humility, Adam. <laughs> my deep humility. I will give you the last word. Uh, well, so what's it like? I think that it would be. It would not be okay to end this podcast without asking you guys what it is like to work with uh, Bishop Barron. Uh, he's not going to listen to this this podcast, so feel free to answer it freely because he, he he doesn't listen to this podcast. So go ahead. Well, what's it like to work with Bishop Barron? I'm going to make it fast because I've. Oh, I was going to say Jared knows Bishop Barron a lot better than I do, but let me just say I met him for the first time about a month ago at our inaugural priest conference. And I'll just say this. I got to eat four meals with him, spend a lot of time with him. He's the real deal. Go ahead, Jared. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, it's incredible to be with a guy that in literally the same five minutes, you can be talking about a Coen Brothers movie, like the Big Lebowski or something. And then jump right into like the existential crisis of of Hegel. I mean, like it's it's yeah. incredible, you know. I mean, I and and then at the same time, like the kind of guy that you know, the minute we step into a church, whenever we're traveling, like it's it's real, you know. Like he he is not he's this kind of joking, incredibly intelligent guy, but boy, he takes this stuff very very seriously. Um, and so it's it's. It's like if you think of like the epitome of a Renaissance man, that's him. <laughs> nice. I mean, he can just literally do anything and talk about anything, and he's funny. Um, so it's he is, is one of my heroes for sure. Well, Jared Zimmer and Matt Nelson, thank you so much for uh, carving out some time to hang out with us this evening. Uh, wordonfire.org or wordonfire.institute, correct? Did I get both those? correct yes sir yeah. okay that's where you guys need to go um uh, guys thanks thanks again so much for hanging out with us this evening thank you this has been great 
Awesome. We're, we're, on, the, we're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass and cheers.